Welcome to episode number 40 of the speaking podcast. It actually feels good to have reached number 40. So hopefully get to a number 100 someday. Uh, you'll find us on speakingpodcast.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Speaking Podcast. And there's some books and some other tips and tricks on all of these channels. If you're interested in meditation, we have another podcast, meditationpodcast.org. And if you'd like to learn Polish, you can find us on learnpolishpodcast.com. If you'd like to know more about me and a few other business opportunities, you'll find it at roycolin.com. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. podcast and this week's guest is a guest that I've been trying to get on for about six months, Andy Hyten. I met Andy in one of the clubs in the leadership and now he's in our entrepreneurial one. But to me, he's a, actually one of the best when he's a grammarian, when he's an accountant, when he's a speaker and when he's an evaluator. So that's why I was really wanted to get him on board. So welcome, Andy. Hello. So tell the audience who's Andy. Who's Andy? Um, well, uh, it's a long story, but I suppose the short version is I've been here in Poland for more than 20 years, so maybe that makes me an honorary Pole, uh, but I'm originally from Britain, uh, but then it gets more complicated because I've got Scottish and Canadian heritage and stuff like that. What do I do? Um, I started my career as a language teacher and I continue to help people improve their communication skills in English. Uh, but I also now do translations. I do a bit of, I do a lot of voiceover. Um, that's the short version. Okay, thank you. So, Andy, as a child, how were you for public speaking or as growing up? What's uh, your journey? As a child? Um, <laughs> goodness, I, I, when I was younger, I, the only opportunity that we had uh, at school, I think the idea of preparing spoken projects and stuff like that is very much more modern approach. So when I was a kid, the only opportunity to speak publicly was when you're in a school play. Um, and I wasn't in many school plays. So sort of when I was younger, I didn't really have the opportunity. When I became a teacher, obviously I found myself standing up in front of groups of people and they seemed to be happy. But I suppose the important thing to notice is when I actually joined Toastmasters at the first time, which is, I don't know, six or seven years ago, I discovered that I wasn't as great at standing in front of groups of people and speaking as I thought I was. So the important thing is, I think we've always got room for improvement. No, exactly, exactly. So um, when you're making speeches, how do you prepare for them? <laughs> uh, it, it very much depends. Uh, I have a little black book which I write ideas in whenever I have an idea and I remember to write it in the little black book. And that idea might sit there for months, weeks, until I think of a way of utilizing it to, to, to make an, a story which will be interesting for people to listen to. So I, I, I not very often do I sort of say, right, I've got to do a speech and I'll do it tomorrow and, and I just throw something together. It, it's very often a very long incubation period 
how do I do it? Nowadays, for better or for worse, I don't necessarily write out the whole speech word for word. When um, there was the international speech competition last year, then yes, I did uh, write it out word for word and try to remember it. But usually I, I go for bullet points and and then think how that I will string them together, how I'll link different ideas together. Okay, yeah, cool. And you've been involved in two different clubs now, I believe, or have you been in, in more? Two. Two. Mm -hmm. And uh, like for you, what's which role do you prefer? Which role do I prefer? Yeah. Um, I suppose I prefer any role rather than no role. You you mentioned uh, the, the 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 functionary, so grammarians and stuff like that. Maybe because of my language teaching background, grammarian comes pretty easy to me, and I kind of enjoy sharing things with other people. So does it come easiest? No, no, it's difficult to say. It depends on the day, it depends how much in the morning, how much coffee I've drunk. What, what I actually like is you're able to simplify it. So when you see um, people are using the wrong wording, you break it down into a, a simple format mm. that you explain. And sometimes you use the whiteboard. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you could give an example of that, but it's, it, it's, everybody loves when you're the grammarian because they all <laughs> learn something from it. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> you want me to say something else? <laughs> if you could give an example, like today you had a good example that, uh, was it healthily or something like that, that they were using? Right. That, yeah. Um, I think, so maybe the point of like using visual aids to explain grammar things, you know, again, like when we're at school and the teacher writes stuff on the board and you normally have to copy it down in, in a Toastmasters meeting. And obviously we're talking in a situation where the majority of uh, the people's first language is not the language of the club, because I imagine like in, in, in the UK or in the United States, where the majority of people are native English speakers, it's probably a different role. But, but what we're talking about, aren't we, is, is we're in Poland, where the majority of members in our club at the moment are Polish native speakers. And um, yeah, I think a visual representation of like what needs to be improved or and how it can be improved helps people memorize any room for improvement that they could take forward and make use of. Okay, oh, very good. And another thing that I, I noticed, and you kind of brought it into our clubs, was a body evaluator. <laughs> because people don't usually watch that, but it's we, we've noticed it ourselves because we were both in the final for the... Uh, the district and yeah. we kind of really took heed of that so talk about that uh, well it's something isn't it like um when we're preparing speeches we we prepare the words and we prepare the pauses and stuff like that but and and people often talk about stage presence about you know not standing in one place or rocking side to side so do stand in one place or, or walk from the left to the right of the stage but it's only, I think, as you say, since we started talking about it, does anyone actually think about what they do with their hands? And very often people's default position is some pseudo prayer position with their hands clasped together. And, and in the past, I remember people saying, oh, well, don't do that, but not actually offering a solution as to what to do. So, so yeah, using our body language or specifically using our hands, I think it's something that we should 
that's you know it's something that we need to take into account when we're planning we plan where we're going to be walking on the stage we plan what we're going to be doing with our voice but people who are looking maybe not listening so much they're going to be seeing what you're doing with your hands as well so i think it's a very important part of the preparation process of both a toastmaster speech and even a presentation at work or something very good very good and uh, i remember you telling me before that you actually did a, a speech or you were talking in front of was it i know it was online but something like ten thousand people or a thousand people yeah it was through wechat which is the chinese version of let's say uh whatsapp and i was working and i'm still working on an accelerated uh, language learning project and so from poland I hooked up to one group and then using bots and stuff beyond my realm of understanding, we hooked various other groups up. So, so with the aid of a translator who was in China, I was speaking to just under 10,000 people live. Mm -hmm. And how was that for you? Uh, well, to be honest, because um, my friend, the translator, I had to stop after every sentence or so on. I had a lot of time to think about my next sentence, but, uh, Maybe the point is the fact that I couldn't see all of those people made it much easier. So in the same way that we're sitting here speaking into a microphone, we can't see all of the people who are actually listening to us. It makes it a little bit stressful than when you're speaking to a live audience, a live audience as in an audience sitting or standing right in front of you. Oh, exactly, exactly. And um, you got me into doing the the comedy. I, I, I did an open mic and... Um, I know you, you're, you're heavily involved in that, so you might tell about it and also the advantages of doing that. <laughs> well, so if, if assuming that the people who are listening are, are people who are interested in public speaking and, and possibly Toastmasters, I think after some time, Toastmasters is a great way of improving your public speaking, but because it's a very supportive environment, you could give the most rubbish presentation or speech in the world and everyone will end up clapping and giving positive feedback. So something that I think is much more challenging and, and I've taken on is doing stand-up comedy because I haven't got enough money to pay all of the people enough money to make sure that they're laughing all of the time. So you, you really, really have to prepare, obviously in a different way, to, to, to make sure that you're engaging the audience who have come to a club or a pub in order to be you know, to be made amused, to, to, to laugh. So I think it's a, it's a next level challenge. Brilliant. And I see as well, um, the table topics you tend to every week, you know, you love four to six different uh, people being picked for a topic to talk about that they don't know what it is. And you tend to be the winner, I suppose, 80% of the time. Mm -hmm. A lot of people never win or they want to win or they want to try and improve themselves. Can you give them any tips? In the same way that I'm just pausing to think, uh, something that we often don't remember is you're allowed to spend some time having a think before you start speaking. So um, when there's a table topics comp uh, competition in Toastmasters, you in theory have got up to 30 seconds to gather yourself, have a think about how you're going to approach the subject. I don't necessarily always do that. Uh, but again, that the, there's something that I learned on some course that I did, which is just learning how to speak without necessarily having any goals. So 
what's the what was the question? Like how, how to prepare for table topics? Yeah, exactly. Just just go with it. Just like maybe uh, let your brain take you rather than trying to think too much. Today, I think I started off with just a series of statements, and then like my brain started gearing up, and I was able to make a little bit more sense than maybe what I was at the beginning. Oh, very good, very good. Uh, and another one is the evaluations because you actually got into the final as well for the district of the evaluations. So oh, yeah. you're yeah, <laughs> so you're you're a talented evaluator. So perhaps you could give some the audience uh, some tips on that or things that you watch out for. Wow, uh, again, you, you can't say the same thing about everyone. Uh, you, we, we mentioned early, earlier about the hand movements. Um, that's something that I try to incorporate, but it's because very few other people actually make, uh, make a point of talking about those things. Gee whiz, how can you become a better evaluator? I think probably, maybe the secret is taking down so many notes that you have to choose. Once, once somebody's speech is, is finished and, and you've got some time to prepare, you've got a huge, um, you've got a huge pool of resources to choose from. So, uh, like in any role in a Toastmasters meeting, it, it, it's not really, oh, I'm going to be the timer, I'm going to be the art counter today because I need a bit of a rest. If you want to do any role or yeah, any function properly, you actually have to put quite a bit of effort into it. So, being an evaluator, the same as a grammarian um, and uh, and and other roles get as much material down and then maybe choose um, four or five things that you feel are worth expanding on. That's how I do it. Okay, very good. And I remember as well, you've done some workshops. You, did you go to Russia to do a workshop? Yeah. So you might tell us what was that like? Because obviously you're speaking to a, you know, not, not locals. So mm -hmm. how, how was that for you? Oh, it was great. Um, it was great because I met uh, many of the uh, folks in Russia from the Toastmasters community and we had a great time and the weather was very good. But apart from that, what did I do? I, the, my workshop was on uh, humour in a speech because I, I think, and, and coming back to humorous speeches, although we haven't spoken about it yet, and thinking about when we think something's funny that doesn't necessarily mean it's funny for other people so I was trying to find out and it was a very interactive workshop I wasn't telling people I was rather it was rather kind of group work and we were putting stuff up on the board and seeing if we could come up with some general consensus you know what makes uh, a speech or a presentation entertaining uh, entertaining and also funny and do I remember the conclusions? No, but, but uh, generally, I think the lesson that we need to learn is that just because I think something's funny, you think something's funny, doesn't mean that you can take it out to the whole world and they're all going to find it funny. There are many other nuances that you need to take into account. So but you probably need to ask the guys in Moscow. They probably remember better than me. Yeah, <laughs> I remember at one area competition that's a... Only one guy was rolling around laughing and the rest were just giving strange looks at one of my jokes. So, right. uh -huh. <laughs> But I think the trick is not to let it throw you, just mm -hmm. to keep going. Because mm -hmm. some people, if they don't get the laugh and they're expecting it. And there's been times where I've got laughs when, when I wasn't expecting it as well. Mm -hmm. And just allow the pause for that. Because sometimes people, they don't allow the time of the laugh and they just keep going. And the people are still in the laugh. They don't hear the next part. So. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yep, like uh, so. So again, entertaining. Like I think we need to remember, entertaining is is, is not the same as hysterical. So uh, um, if we're doing like a humorous speech, like the, the the end result is not necessarily like hysterical laughter for seven minutes because that's closer to like the stand up comedy that like that, that you can also consider doing. But but like a um, you know a humorous speech doesn't it does does not necessarily mean hysterical laughter nonstop. So I made that mistake in the the first time I went for a competition because I was like you know I was thinking to myself they were laughing ten times more for my speech than for somebody else but mm. I didn't I'm not like I'm third or something like that but it was afterwards then I realized you have to go through the judging criteria and see yeah. what they're looking out for and, mm -hmm. and all the structure and everything. So. Yep. So. I know I've done a workshop. Have you done many workshops, have you? Um, in the context of Toastmasters, not so many, no. But in other... Things, yeah. You have? Because mm. like, I know some people want to do workshops and they struggle to figure out what's the best way of organizing your time. So I'm not sure what were the different time frames that you've done, but you might give us some examples of how you structured your time for a workshop. Okay, well, so I suppose I can speak as participant and also provider of workshops. I think the secret is uh, interaction and audience participation because it's one thing being an expert and just talking about making out that you're an expert and talking about stuff. But if you're able to guide people or let people discover what it is that you're wanting to teach them or what knowledge you're wanting to impart with them, if you're actually able to let people do their own discovery, it has a much more powerful message and, and effect. So I think the one thing that I would ever say if when it comes to like a workshop is let people discover themselves. Like you, who knows, you might find out that people discover something different from what you were planning, but maybe that's actually a way to move forward. Like so with regards to the workshop that I did in Moscow, I didn't have the answers at the end of like, this is, this is what people should discover because I didn't know what the answer would be. I was able to add my own ideas and, and people were able to add their ideas. Like, I think it's important on an international level, if we want to be entertaining to, to people beyond our own national area to find out what other people want. So don't assume that you are the ultimate expert in anything because for all you know there might be a world expert sitting in the audience so why don't you make use of the fact that you've got tens of people there and and make use of their knowledge as well and also it's going to be much more interesting for people if you let them participate rather than sit there and listen to you drone on for hours very good so what's your next, uh, what's your journey? What's your next plan for your speaking career? What's my next plan for my speaking career? Um, well, as, as you probably know, and, and as I mentioned at the beginning, like I've been doing a lot of voiceover in the last year and a half. So I'm getting a bit bored. <laughs> I'm getting a bit bored of my own voice, to be honest. Um, because uh, a lot of the voiceover I was having to edit myself. And uh, so the next part of my speaking career, I don't know, let's see what happens, shall we? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe creating some workshop, which I can check how it goes in one of our club meetings or maybe some area um, uh, convention. But uh, no, I'm thinking about trying to make 
put the things that I have learned into a more concise um, packet so that I can share with people so that they can also benefit and of course share their own ideas. Well, maybe that's what my next goal is. Okay, excellent. And what's your thoughts on like in Toastmasters, they kind of, they have the golden rule of don't talk about sex, politics or religion. What's your views on that? What are my views on that? Uh, well, that's the rules of Toastmasters and I think I'm pretty good at sticking to them. That's one reason maybe why I do stand-up comedy, so I don't have to stick to those rules. If you're a member of an organisation and you've got rules, well then you should probably stick to them. So, I know that a lot of people would like to try the comedy, so if they come to watch, I'm sure you'll be able to organise that they could uh, do a, a five-minute stand-up. Yeah, uh, we, but, well, but in Wuch, we've got it going on. It happens in Krakow, uh, in Poland, it happens in Krakow, it happens in Wrocław, it happens in Warsaw and other places that also I imagine, but, but those are four places where I know they've got regular open mic uh, stand-up comedy in English. And of course, find me my, on Facebook or find us on Facebook from the autumn. So I guess maybe even from September, we're going to be having maybe every two weeks an open mic open mic stand-up comedy event here in Wooch. Perfect. And my, my plan actually is, I'm not sure if I told you, but uh, with the pathways, my plan is to do the humor speech one and to do one speech a month based on that. Because as you said, it's a kind of raw audience. And if you're not funny, they'll just look at you and they won't clap. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, the, that's the challenge. It, it can be a very humbling experience. Yes, exactly. So Andy, as always, it's been fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. All right. Cheers. Thanks. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Andy. Uh, as always, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and our website, speakingpodcast.com and meditationpodcast.org and learnpolishpodcast.com. And you'll find more about me on roycolumn.com. Until next week, take care.